This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, Welcome everybody to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by one guy who just dropped Eric Carlson in the cacuffle, another guy who gave him permission to do so. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski. With me, as always, the fantasy hockey robot, the IPP MVP, Brian Calm. Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. Yeah, it's down to brass tacks. Week 10 of your fantasy season has likely ended by the time you've heard this. The cacuffle playoffs start week 13, so we're just two weeks away from the playoffs. And Elon, I feel like the stress is starting to get to you. You mentioned to me, uh, like in a DM earlier today that retirement was a possibility considering how stressed and frustrated you are with where your matchup is going this week. And I think it's spilling out onto our Twitter account where you are now officially beefing with the Nashville Predators <laughs> social media team. What is going on? Okay, first of all, I didn't exactly say I was planning to retire from fantasy hockey. I was just saying that it's like days like this, where like, oh, basically I was up ahead of Ben from short shifts by like 60 points a couple of days ago. Now I'm up by like 10, and like I have a stat correction of negative three, of course. Like, he's just like, all my players just decided to take the whole weekend off. All of his players are going insane, and Ben's obviously knows what he's doing and added the right people, and all the credit to Ben. I really hope I'm going to hold on. And it was very stressful, so I was thinking, man, I need a new hobby. Like, I need something to get my mind off of this. Then, yeah, but then separately, but also kind of related, I don't like the Preds Twitter account. I think now it's my least favorite Twitter account currently of all the NHL teams. Like, first of all, they randomly at, what, like 6 p.m., they just tweet, the Preds have recalled goaltender Casimir Kaskisuo. I don't know who this person is. Sorry for mispronouncing. The Preds have recalled goaltender Casimir Kaskisuo from the taxi squad under emergency conditions and assigned defenseman David Ferentz to the taxi taxi squad. Okay. So it's first of all, like, what are these emergency conditions? Like, why did you do that? Like, are you going to share? Then, like, it was like minutes and minutes are going by. And it's like, well, what's the emergency? Like, I think people who are, first of all, fans of your team might want to know if, like, one of your goalies is injured. Uh, like, people playing fantasy, like myself, who have UC Saros, it's like, I'd be, it'd be nice to know what the emergency is. So anyways, then uh, someone responds to that tweet being like, who's playing tonight? This is not like a, you know, so, like a fantasy person. It's probably a fan of the Preds, right? It's like, who's playing tonight? They respond, a goalie. Give me a break. Why are you being rude? Why are you trolling your fans? Oh, come on. Like, I get, like, not wanting to share the circumstance, the emergency circumstances. Okay, I'll have some sensitivity to that. Maybe they didn't, they weren't authorized. But when someone says who's starting, a goalie, there's no, you're showing contempt 
for you're your showing followers. contempt to your followers. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I just like tweeted like, "What's the emergency?" Like retweeted. And then when I saw this a goalie, I just like retweeted that also and said, "I don't like this account." And then what, what did they respond? Some lame. They're not even funny, right? They wrote, uh, "Figure it out, bud." Excuse yeah. me. Figure what out? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's to figure out? Well, you just said that they. Well, you did say that they might be your least favorite Twitter account. And I, I just, I don't understand what figure it, like, yeah, I agree. What are you figuring it out? And why are they All calling right. you Bud? So condescending. Uh, all right. So that's the start of our show here. We're coming in hot. Uh, we've got a lot to get to today. We've got a really fun show plan. Brian and I have each come up with 10 players who we expect their Yahoo percentage rostered to go up between now and the rest of the season, and then 10 players who we expect it to go down. So we've got a lot of players to get to, I guess, 20 each. We don't even know who we each have on each other's lists. Maybe there'll be some overlap. I'm really excited to hear who you have, Brian, to hear your responses to mine. But okay, before we get to that, let's, of course, mention that we're presented by DauberHockey.com, the number one fantasy hockey website in the whole freaking world. It's great. They're giving you updates every single day. I love the articles. Like, the daily ramblings are a must-read every day to keep up to speed. And then, of course, Frozen Tools, mwah, chef's kiss, gives you all the tools you need to prep for fantasy, including, like, in-game live line combinations, which I use all the time, including, like, during episode recordings and everything on their site I use to prep the show. So I love Frozen Tools. I love Dauber Hockey. Check it out, DauberHockey.com. And then, Brian, I guess before we get to our lists, our top 10 lists, uh, I guess we should mention the big news that just came out like as we were prepping to start recording. Aaron Ekblad has had a really serious injury. He got tangled up with Essa Lindell. Uh, looks like he has a really bad leg injury. Uh, like, you know, this is like brand new news. So I guess we don't really have much to say about it. But I just wanted to bring it up. And like, it looks like this guy is out for the season. So obviously all the best for Ekblad. I hope he's okay. Apparently he was in a lot of pain. Uh, and then I guess it's our job, though, to discuss if there's any fantasy impact here, right? Yeah, and first off, I we don't know the extent of the injury. It literally happened within the last 60 minutes or so, and we know it looked bad, stretch it off the ice. Don't know he's out for the season, but it does look serious and is being treated very seriously. So I think it's safe to assume for now, but go and check the latest info by the time you're hearing this. And uh, it's definitely really sad for Ekblad, who was just having himself a really fantastic season. Had Norris earned, contender, I think yeah. people were saying. Yeah, yeah, had earned Joel Quenville's trust, which is not an easy thing to do. He's basically getting the Duncan Keith treatment, uh, just being played in all kinds of situations, 25 to 30 minutes a night, and putting up a ton of shots, getting top power play billing, just everything was going right. And interestingly, uh, we haven't talked about Ekblad a whole lot, just other than at the start of the season where it's like, you need Ekblad. Ekblad needs to be on everyone's roster. But his peripherals, his hits and blocks have really uh, not been as big a part of his game this season or last season, like since Quenville came along. He was never a big hitter or blocker, but uh, averaging less than one hit and less than one block per game, but has replaced those with shots on goal. Anyway, having a really, really fantastic season, and it's a shame that it might have been cut short, which will have an impact on the rest of the lineup. Uh, One player who I'm going to talk about later in the show is somebody who might be, uh, like I had him down as someone who is rostered, who's percent rostered is going to dip the rest of the year, but now I'm not so sure. And another impact that this is going to have is going to be on that Florida goaltending, right? Ekblad's just been a huge, huge, reliable, uh, steady hand, just eaten up tons of minutes. And so if I have Bobrovsky on my roster and I've been appreciating what he's been able to offer me lately, I might just be like, uh, I'm a little more worried today about him than I was before Ekblad was injured. 
Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Brian, why don't you just go ahead and say the player? Like, you know, we could give okay. one of one away yeah. now. Who's the player you th- were was you were thinking that this guy was going to go down in Yahoo percent owned between now and the end of the year? Thinking he was like rostered in too many leagues. Now you might have changed your mind. Uh, I'd be curious to know who it is. By the way, we should also mention. By the way, before we get into that, uh, so Barkov and Huberdo, not Huberdo. Huberdo is having a great game today, actually. Barkov and Hornquist both injured currently for Florida. So they're having really bad injury luck, and now losing Ekblad long term is like really terrible. Uh, hopefully. Barkov and Hornquist are more short-term and could be back as soon as next week. But yeah, right now they're running uh, not the best team against Dallas. We're two periods down. It's 3-1 to one for Florida. So okay, all that context said, let's hear your uh, assessment of who's this player who maybe now is going to get a second lease on life when you were thinking he was about to go down. Like assuming Barkov and, and Hornquist are back by the time, you know, next week or the week after. Well, it was already a roller coaster of a season for Keith Yandel, who's right. 76% rostered. He just had seven points in his last 19 games going into tonight's action and only 39 shots. So, like, that's fine, but it's not what we hope for from him. And if you look at his minutes, uh, they're dropping like two minutes a year since Quenville came in. He went from 17 minutes to 15 minutes last year. And this year he's gone from 15 minutes to 13 minutes of five on five ice time per game, basically being used as a power play specialist, which is nice. Like it's almost like a Vince Dunn role though, because it's apple or bust for Yandel in terms of his fantasy value. And he's busted in 13 of his last 19 games, again, going into Sunday's action. So I guess... Uh, with Ekblad out, I'm actually not sure his five-on-five fortunes changed a whole lot, but maybe he's going to be a little more involved in the power play. So I guess that's uh, that's that's the fantasy impact there on, on Keith Yandel. I think more likely it opens up another forward spot on that Florida power play because I'm not sure. I guess like you could say, uh, I don't know offhand, does Mackenzie Weger have the same handedness as Aaron Ekblad? Well, I don't think... I don't think Uyghur has, like, been the guy getting any power play time. Like, Marcus Nudivara has some power play time today on the second unit. I saw Gustav Forsling was getting some power play time at times. So I think maybe those would be the defensemen that would be next in line to get on the top power play. But I, I agree with you. It might be good for someone like, a you know, Anthony Duclair, Carter Verhage, like that type of player. Maybe Alex Wenberg. Remember Alex Wenberg used to be, like, this power play specialist back on Columbus, I, I believe? Ish. Yes, I don't know. Like, yeah, Not exactly very... a specialist, but he used to get some power play time. Frank yeah. Vetrano. Like, there could be, like, some of these. Right, right now, we don't know. So it's obviously something to pay attention to. I guess the one guy I'll name, then, is Marcus Nudivara, who is the other, like, he and Radko Gudis are the only other right-handed defensemen in that Florida lineup. So that could be a five-on-five and a power play boost for Nudivara, unless they seek outside help or they have somebody else coming up, but I'm pretty sure that handedness is going to matter. They just waived Anton Strahlman. Not that that would have any impact. I think he's pretty much done, but I wonder if he uh, gets another look somehow. Anyway, that's a really rough situation in Florida right now. Like Barkov being out hurts them hugely. Like that would make me, that already made me concerned for what their goaltending would be able to accomplish. And then Hornqvist is out and now Ekblad. It's like, those are well, Ekblad and Barkov are, I think, the two most important pieces of that Panthers roster. And Hornqvist, with his play this year, isn't that far behind. So we'll have to watch closely. Like, we were talking last week about how legit cup contenders the Panthers were, and a lot has changed very suddenly since then. 
Yeah, no, it's a sad situation. Like, you know, last year there were teams like the Islanders and was it the Penguins that had some really bad injury trouble that maybe kept them from being as big contenders as we thought they would be. And now like Florida, yeah, this is going to be a lot to overcome for sure. Though, like we, like we said, hopefully Barkov's back right now. Nola Chari is centering, I guess, the second line or the first line with Duclair and Verhage. So like a bump for him for as long as Barkov is out, but really like how much even is it? So, okay, that's enough uh, Panthers talk, I guess. All the best to Aaron Ekblad and Brian. Okay, so let's get into this. Let's, so we've got each a list to start our top 10 players that we expect their Yahoo percent rostered to go up between now and the rest of the season. So they're too low. We think they're going to be even better. So why don't we just kind of go back and forth, throwing names out. If you throw out a name that I have on my list, I'll let you know and vice versa. And why don't you go ahead and take the floor if you want to go first? Okay, I'll go first with uh, someone who's pretty obvious. I'm going to start with a, a really easy one, a slam dunk. So a player that we expect uh, their percent rostered to go up from here on out basically saying uh, you're going to want him more than you've wanted him for the last little while is Kirby Doc, who's right now 20% rostered, and that number is already rising. He had a decent rookie season in Chicago where he was under the radar. He had a few good opportunities, didn't do a whole lot with them, but finished the year with 12 points in 21 games and a lot of good deployment playing with either Patrick Kane or Alex Dabrinkit, and like I said, some power play opportunity. But then it was in the playoffs where Doc really looked like he'd stepped forward with six points in nine playoff games. And of course, that's a small sample and not something we're going to dig too deep into it, like in thinking this is who he is. He's going to score six points every nine games. But it was really nice to see him step up and perform at the NHL level, which we hadn't done. And he's still a young guy. So uh, we were all excited to see what he was able to do this season, especially with Taves not being able to play. It was going to be Doc's chance to shine. And then, of course, he had that big, big wrist injury before the season so he's back before we expected and he's already back on the top power play plus he's got this chance of continuing to play with Patrick Kane at five on five so we've liked Pius Suter for that reason we've liked freaking Carl Soderberg this year for that reason so there's no reason not to like Kirby Doc for all the same reasons plus a little more because he might be a better NHL player than both of those guys yeah, for sure. I mean, Doc definitely has the pedigree to be a superstar of the league. We'll see if he could do it this year as a 20-year-old. But I saw the... You know, so he played his first game on Saturday, yesterday. He played on a line with... Uh, what was it? Like, I think Ryan Strom or something, or sorry, Dylan Strom, I should say. Uh, today, uh, pregame line. So unfortunately, we're recording this and Chicago's playing a game that's just started. Uh, so we won't be able to give you the most up to date, but I haven't seen Kirby Doc playing on the line with Patrick Kane. So this might be the day that Doc uh, becomes, you know, we'll see if he has a big game. We'll give updates as the podcast goes. But yeah, I totally agree with you. This is a guy who you're going to want to jump on if you're in a deepish league. Uh, you know, if you're in a super deep league, then definitely grab him. If you're in like a shallow league, maybe you don't have to jump on him him because maybe you'll just wait until he does something but definitely add him to your watch list and if he starts producing with Patrick Kane it looks like that's something that's going to stick you're probably going to want Doc he was drafted in a lot of leagues this year that were drafted before the World Junior Championships when he had that wrist injury so I'm totally with you he was on my list as well Brian so we've just knocked out an extra player and now I guess I could give you the next person on my list and that is Nick Ritchie over on the Boston Bruins. So Ritchie is someone, he, we actually brought him up recently on our list of biggest surprises of the season. We did that show about a month ago. So maybe it seems weird that now, like I'm bringing up again as someone who I'm expecting to still be a surprise when we already had him on the list of biggest surprises. But basically after we did that show, he went on a huge cold streak. He only had one goal and no assists in a 12-game stretch. But if you look at the Bruins' deployment, he's basically 
in that same spot that he was in when he was hot, right? He's been playing on the top power play and he's been playing on the second line with David Krejci. And I think that, you know, that's something that if it's worked for him in the past, I think it could work for him in the future. And, uh, you know, if you look at yesterday's box score, he had a goal and an assist, five shots, four hits versus Buffalo. And he's probably available again now. So I'm not saying he's like a sure thing, but at, so yesterday when I wrote this, he was 12% rostered. Now he's already up to 16% rostered. Uh, Boston's playing today and Bergeron just scored a goal from Pasternak and Grizzlick with like a minute left. So, okay, no, oh, oh. The goal game. Oh, ESPN just took away the goal. Well, anyway, I like Nick Ritchie. I think he's in a good spot, and I think he's someone that if you liked him before, there's no reason not to like him for the same reasons now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the reason to not like him is that he wasn't consistently producing, but 12% or even 16% seems pretty low for someone who is still getting regular time on the top power play in Boston. And if he's someone you had previously decided that you have no time for, uh, maybe he would change your mind by the fact that he has, uh, I'm just adding up today's shots on goal total two, uh, carry the one. He's got 19 shots on goal in his last five games, almost four shots per game. So even if he's not scoring, uh, that could be pretty decent value in your format. Also, he hits. That's still happening. So those are a couple reasons that you could bide your time and be patient for Nick Ritchie to actually produce, which you're going to have to be. Uh, You mentioned, Elon, that he had that really nice uh, two-point game against Buffalo on Saturday. But in his last 13 games, he's been scoreless in 11 of them. So those shots on goal weren't coming for those, though. So if you want to try taking a a fresh breath of Dick Ritchie, I can see why now would be the time. I'm going to go ahead to another guy on my list. Oh, wait, I want to just respond quickly to what you said, if that's okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, yeah, for this episode, anyways, for some of the players, I'm trying to like, you know, take out a crystal ball a little bit. I'm not going to go only like, okay, this guy's on a hot streak, so you should grab him. I'm just giving you like someone who I think right now is not highly rostered. And I just have a hunch that he's going to get hot again. It's kind of like funny. If you ever listen to Dave Benton's stream scheme, which I know you do, we're big fans. He like kind of goes with the opposite approach as us sometimes. He's like recommending players who are pointless or have been pointless in a while because he says oh they're due and like when there's a player who's gotten a lot of points recently he's almost like oh okay well they he probably won't keep it up uh which is probably like not a good way to think about it but also it's at the same time not a great way to think about it and i know he's just trying to be funny and it's like it is an interesting way to play because i think we sometimes get too caught up in like this guy's on a hot streak that means he's worth more than this guy who's on a cold streak but really like at the end of the day we should just be looking at okay nick Ritchie, top power play second line and now like you say he's getting shot so yeah I, I'm definitely not saying he's a sure thing. Like I'm, I'm more into Kirby Doc of this list, but yeah, I feel like the reason why I put him on my list is because he had that cold stretch, which meant that his percent rostered fell all the way to like 16%, which is now making me think that it should be higher. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. And of course, Dave, going along with the way you just described uh, how he kind of picks his streamers, his team name in the cupful was once Gambler's Fallacy, right? Which is that because something has happened so many times, this is a Gambler's Fallacy that the next time it the, the odds are higher that something different will happen. Whereas like if you're playing a slot machine, it's actually the exact same likelihood with each poll, whether you've won 10 times in a row or lost 10 times in a row. So I feel like that's, that sort of applies here. So I like that you're going for a guy who is showing some signs of life, but not obvious signs of life. I have somebody who is on the top power play and very much showing signs of life. And that's over in Nashville with Ellie Tolvanen, who's still only 27% rostered. 
even though Tolvanen has 11 points in his last 12 games. And we told you about him. We told you when he first started getting that top power play billing uh, that he might be the answer to Nashville's three-year-long power play woes. And Elon, you can tell me, but I think the results are in. Since February 23rd, when Tolvanen became a fixture on that top unit in Nashville, their power play is 13 for 48. That's a 27% conversion rate. Compare that with a 15% conversion rate before Tolvanen took up his spot on that top unit. And now Tolvanen's up to nine power play points already on the season, which is one behind Yosi and two behind Philip Forsberg, who have both had with, you know, missing a couple games because of injury, but they've had full top power play deployment all year. So Ellie Tolvanen, I think is the answer for that Nashville power play. And I think they're just going to keep looking to him as their magic bullet. There's like a fable, right? With like that string of Christmas lights. Do I know this from a Simpsons parody? Or is it like Miracle on 34th Street where there's like this special magic bulb that fixes the whole string of lights? (laughs) I don't know, know man. Okay, you're saying that basically you think Tolvan is the magic bulb. And at five on five, he's been playing on the top line with Forsberg and Ryan Johansson. With Forsberg out, he's been replaced by Arvidsson. But Tolvanen is still there with Arvidsson and Ryan Johansson. And so I think that Ellie Tolvanen should and will be higher rostered than 27%. Yeah, I agree with you. To be honest, I didn't put him on my list just because I felt like we've talked about him so much already and I just didn't want to bring him up again. But you're right. It's an obvious answer because he's great and he deserves to be higher. And I definitely agree with you. He'll be higher for sure. I mean, I had to pick 10, right? for not putting Tolvanen on your list, but you put Nick Ritchie on your list, who you started by talking about saying, well, we just brought him up recently. Well, okay, Brian, I don't know why you're being antagonistic with <laughs> Sorry, that. Sorry, I take uh, it back. I appreciate that you want to bring in some new names. I hope the rest of my names are new enough. <laughs> I, all I was saying is like with Nick Ritchie, right? It was someone who I think a lot of people have given up on. So I'm saying maybe take another look. Tolvanen, yeah, we've we've been saying short shifts have been saying it. We're all saying it. Get like if you still have Tolvanen as a free agent in your league, we've told you enough times now. Okay, so we're not gonna, it's we're not bringing him up again. So this is your final warning. Until Unless he goes week. until he goes cold. And then I could predict that I think he'll do better. <laughs> then you'll be singing his name from the rooftops. Yes. Okay. So fine. Let me get, do an easy one now since you just did. Uh, I want to bring up Phil Kessel, who, uh, when I prepared this yesterday, was 28% rostered. He's now up to 29% rostered, which isn't that high for someone who just scored a hat trick yesterday versus San Jose. Plus, he had goals in two previous games and he had assists in the two previous games before that. So Phil Kessel's on a nice, tidy five game point streak. Plus, what I love the most about his hat trick yesterday against San Jose all three goals on the power play so I guess a lot like Ellie Tolvanen like we thought a couple years ago right the Kessel was going to come into Arizona and he'd like fix their power play and it didn't really happen but it seems like whatever's happening now like it's clicking he's getting the top power play time and he's like producing uh, and like again you know just like with Nick Ritchie I'm not saying like oh Phil Kessel's like the best he should be 100% rostered like obviously it depends on your league settings but 28% seems pretty low for someone also for the fact that he says the name value he's like someone who we expect you know if I'm picking between two random free agents that look around the same I'll go with the guy who's you know done it more in the past and Kessel's like shown us he can have good stretches he also had really bad stretches like a lot of this season he was super cold which is why he's only 29% rostered at this point but you know he's playing it even strength with Clayton Keller that I, which I like and I love that I'm seeing him cashing on the power play. So I think that in a lot of leagues, if Kessel's out there, now might be a good time to go and grab him. Thank goodness he's cashing in on the power play. 10 power play points for Phil Kessel in 35 games, which is one of the better totals in the league so far. And definitely one of the quieter 
better totals in the league too. Uh, without that production, man, he's having a, a really rough season at even strength where he has near career low point scoring rates with really, really strong variance. Like his shooting percentage at five on five is high. His IPP is high. Uh, and yet he's barely doing anything at five on five with that luck. So thank goodness for Phil Kessel's power play production, which yeah, okay, I guess it could keep him afloat. And it kind of explains because he has uh, two power play goals in his last two games that helps explain how he scored five times on his last nine shots, which is concerning for me. Honestly, I think this is a desert mirage here. I'm not really buying into Phil Kessel being able to sustain fantasy relevance all the way through to the end of the season. I think he might just be like a grab him for a stream and maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe you'll decide he's worth keeping, Uh, but I don't. So what's his percent rostered, Elon? Did you mention? Yeah, 29%. Honestly, that sounds that sounds right to me. All right. Well, so uh, the fun thing is we'll be able to go back and like look and see, you know, if we were right or wrong at the end of the season because we'll be able to just look at the final numbers. By the way, I'll mention one other thing about Arizona. So Camper and Ranta are now both injured because this is the Coyotes and they can't have nice things, except that Aiden Hill has now taken over and he just had his third straight win. Yesterday he shut out uh, the San Jose Sharks. So look at this guy. All of a sudden, Aiden Hill's on a nice run. He's the for sure starting goalie. No sign. Apparently, Ronto's like going to be long term. Like, forget about him. And we haven't heard much about Kemper coming back anytime soon. So again, just like last week we were talking about, there's like randomly new goalies available in free agency all the time. Like if you have UC Saros and now you have to put him in your IR and you're trying to figure out who to replace him with, uh, you know, put, put Aiden Hill in there because he's now a starting goalie. I'm not saying he's going to be amazing. It's hard to predict goalies, but he's going to be a volume guy and he seems to be doing pretty well right now. Okay, yeah, so you can go ahead and look at Aiden Hill. Uh, Yeah, poor, well, I don't even know, poor, I mean, I'm sure Antiranta is so frustrated. Every opportunity, like, he doesn't get a lot of opportunity because Kemper's outplayed him, and then every opportunity he gets, uh, he loses. Uh, Aiden, because of injury, Aiden Hill has not been fantastic this year, and I think uh, I'd be nervous to start him, but I will still give him a shot, I guess. He's somehow a 920 on the year, even though, is that right? How is that possible? Because he hasn't been bad. I don't know. He's He had a couple bad games, but he hasn't played that much. And he has now put up three straight good games in a row. Okay. So I feel like something's wrong. With, I'm looking on Hockey Reference. I see he started the season with an appearance where he stopped 14 of 14 shots. And he had a 34 safe shutout. But the games in between that were all between 885 and 909. How does that? Anyway, I guess... Uh, I'm not sold on Aiden Hill. But sure, if you need a goalie, go for it. One Coyote whose production I don't think is a desert mirage at 43% rostered, Clayton freaking Keller. Uh, he's breaking out, everybody. It's finally happening. He just had four points in 10 games to begin the season. But do you know how many points? I'm not even going to ask. I'm not going to pause for you to answer. He's 24 points in his last 25 games. And his own numbers have actually held steady. Nothing really seems to be changing in his game, except his five-on-five on-ice shooting percentage, which has been absurdly low the last few seasons, would seem to be unsustainably low, is now uh, a little unsustainably high. So that's this change for Clayton Keller, where maybe he's just deserved better all along. 
and the bounces just haven't gone his way, which we've been open to. But man, it's finally going Clayton Keller's way. He's pacing for 19 power play points on the season. Three power play goals on 11 power play shots have helped, but he's not the shooter there anyway, and his assist rates look nice. So I'm not being like, oh, unsustainable power play shooting percentage. Forget it. Uh, My question is, how is Clayton Keller... Only 43% rostered. And and by the way, I'm going to give myself a little credit here because just in naming him on this list, because I think the closer we get to that 50% threshold, the more of a limb you might be going out on to say, like, because it has to rise. Someone below 50% has to rise. It's easy to say a 10% guy might rise. He's already at 43%, and I think he should be over that 50% threshold for sure. Okay. Yeah, I definitely do not disagree. I wonder, like, I'd be interested to see these leagues where he's not rostered. Is it all just like super shallow leagues? Or are some leagues like dead leagues where Yahoo's counting them even though no one has made any moves since the draft? Like, I'd be interested to know why people aren't more into Clayton Keller at this point. You'd think he'd be rostered everywhere. Uh, He's rostered in all of my leagues. I'm in five leagues, including some shallowish ones, but he's not anywhere available for me. Uh, Okay, next up, by the way, when you brought up Ellie Tolvanen, I should have just mentioned, I have UC Saros on my list. Uh, Now, if he's day-to-day, like, hopefully he's fine so we don't know this is like new injury news that i started feuding with the nashville predators twitter account about uh but anyways he's like easy we've already talked about him so i don't even want to spend time getting into uc stars like uh, one thing i did want to mention is like when i was pre- preparing this yesterday he was only 50 53 percent rostered on yahoo uh like guys ahead of him are like carrie price uh, jordan binnington anderson uh rask Lanner, Lankinen, Hart, Kakinen, Mike Smith. Like, I felt like, as I was going through this list, I was like, I want, like, UC Saros probably above all of these guys, the way he's been playing lately. Uh, so now, obviously, maybe things change because he's day-to-day, but regardless, uh, so let me, let me just move on then, since maybe we've already talked about UC Saros a lot, and do another goalie who is very low-rostered, and for good reason at this point, but I think Linus Allmark is uh, about to have a bit of a surge. So he's only 18% rostered on Yahoo as of yesterday. He's back from his injury, where he returned on Saturday up 33 of 36 in the 3-2 loss to Boston, which is actually good, right? Like, they were ahead at the start of the game for the first time in a while. It looked like Buffalo was actually taking the Boston Bruins, who are a good team. Yeah, Marshawn was on the COVID list, but, you know, they've taken them to a one-goal game. I think a lot of that has to do with Linus Allmark. In fact, like, okay, so without Allmark, they've lost 17 in a row now, so obviously they're a terrible team, and you think, like, why would I want a Buffalo goalie? But believe it or not, Linus Allmark's record on the season is 5-5-2. and two. Like, he's basically a 50% goalie so i think i'm not saying he's gonna like fix all of the sabers problems but i think that they'll win a few more games now that they have an okay goalie and also regardless of th- i think he's good like i just think he's a good goalie right so at the end of the day like i think he'll probably put up decent rate numbers i know the buffalo defense isn't great like everything about buffalo is bad but i still think linus Almark is worth being worth rostered in a lot of leagues unless it's like super shallow but 18 percent probably there's some leagues where people might want him i would suggest that if your league has a heavy value on wins that you you might not want Linus Allmark, and I'm just going to put it out there. But if if his rate stats might help you, uh, plus you might get some help from the odd win, like if he can be a 500 goalie, sure, that's helpful, uh, then yeah, definitely take a look. There are a couple leagues where I've considered looking at him, where I did once roster him, and since his return, now that Buffalo's in fire sale mode, like Stahl is gone, uh, Taylor Hall's going to be gone before long, we'll see who else disappears from that ro- from that already thin roster. Um, I don't know that I really want Linus Allmark, although I guess that my next pick is going to contradict my thinking there. I guess if Linus Allmark, I'll, I'll blow it now. If Linus Allmark can put up Jonathan Bernier numbers, then I am happy with, uh, with rostering Linus Allmark. I guess 
the difference between the two to me is that Linus Allmark um, has played, you know, like he's played well. He's been all right. He's been about an average goalie through a lot of measures. So a 918 save percentage is definitely a very nice thing to see. And I'm not going to look past it. Um, so that's that's positive. But it was on a team that was better then than I think they're going to be now. So that is my that's my caveat with uh, with. Uh, going out and getting Linus Allmark. Jonathan Bernier, also a 918C percentage, 11% owned right now. And that just means uh, 11% of fantasy hockey managers listen to Keeping Carlson because you know this isn't, this is another take we've been sharing through the season. But I think maybe his percent rostered is down because of his injury, and we'll wait to see uh, how soon he can come back. He's still just listed as day-to-day, right? So I'm hoping it's soon. But compare him to Allmark. They have the same save percentage, but uh, Jonathan Bernier has a better Delta Fenwick save percentage, which means he's doing better relative to his workload, like performing higher above what you'd expect the average NHL goalie to do with his workload. Plus, Bernier's quality start percentage, 75%. This season compared to Allmark's 53%, which is fine. That's good. That's like average. It's good. So Allmark looks very average. Jonathan Bernier looks above average. I think they're on equally bad teams. So if I had my choice, I would take Bernier. Elon, would you take Allmark? I mean, Bernier's injured. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, assume Bernier is healthy. But he's like, he, we haven't heard any news of him even practicing yet. I know you're saying he's listed okay. as day to day, but okay. like, for me right now, I've, I'm not thinking about Bernier. Sure. Like, we already said last episode that grab him and stash him. And yeah, like, clearly Detroit needs him, though. It's interesting to note that Calvin Pickard had a really good game today. He got the second game in a back to back and got a win over, who was it again? Over Columbus, a 4 1 win. And so, like, all of a sudden, like, Detroit, it's nice that they have a goalie. It's also terrible for, Thomas Grice, like oh, imagine thinking that he was season. going to be good going in this season, and now he's just doing nothing. He, he can't even get a back to back with Calvin Pickard as the other goalie. Uh, but yeah, it's clearly like Detroit goalies can do well. Bernier was doing well, so I'm with you on that. I'll, I'll actually jump to another Detroit player now. First, uh, speaking of the Sabers and how you were saying that everyone's bad there, uh, like maybe except for Allmark at this point, I'll point out that I didn't want to put them on the list just because I feel like it's beating a dead horse. But like Eric Stahl got a bump to 10 percent after his trade to Montreal. He's not even on Buffalo anymore. But like that's for sure going to go down. I think like I think that stall yeah. if we want to do like a tr- quick trade analysis I think stalls like a depth piece for the Habs and I think people whenever they get traded you're like oh let me add this guy maybe there'll be something so I understand that but that's for sure going to go down I'm pretty confident and also like Taylor Hall 70% that's going to go down Olafson 42% I think that'll go down so it's like uh, most of these Sabres I would predict to go down I might even drop Taylor Hall Brian to be honest next week Buffalo plays Monday and Wednesday against Philly and we've seen some players do very well against Philly lately specifically Mika Zibanejad so I'm going to hold Hall for those two two games in the cupful but if he does nothing again like he's done all this week that might be it for me i might just straight up drop him i think that's fair i mean we're at a point i think where you're really just holding on to taylor all to see where he gets traded and with the nhl trade deadline coming up i, I would preach a little more patience because it seems like it's a guarantee he's right. going somewhere else like he's not going to be in buffalo so i still believe in taylor hall i still think he could be a really great person to have on your roster and i would hate to drop him have him traded and then be back to being someone who's productive and helpful to my fantasy team so that would be the caveat for anyone planning on dropping taylor hall honestly if you've waited him out this long you like 
I don't know. I, I mean, like, easy for you to say you're comfortable <laughs> in your playoff race. Like some people need sure. to win their matchups. So it, yeah, of course, it, it all depends on your level of desperation. Yeah. You meanwhile are like you're experiencing both sides of that coin because you've waited on Zabanejad and Hall all year long. You've now seen Zabanejad just go wild over the last week, and you must feel really great about that. Um, so you you know it can happen. But I guess uh, you, you've waited long enough on both these guys. I assume your patience is wearing wearing pretty thin. I mean, they're not the same player, right? Like, because of Anajad, I think, was, like, still getting his looks all season long. Yeah. Taylor Hall's been, like, nothing. But anyway, okay. I, like, I promised we're going to go to Detroit now to continue on this uh, Jonathan Bernier. I knew you'd bring up Jonathan Bernier. I should have just assumed that. Okay, my Detroit player, though, has got to be... Robbie Fabry, who is currently 12% rostered. So it's already climbing, right? You might have to get on this train quickly because he was 8% rostered when I wrote this yesterday. But Fabry had a goal in the 3-1 win versus Columbus on Saturday, which brought him to 17 points in 26 games. I believe he had another assist today on Sunday versus Columbus. So, you know, make that 18 points in 27 games, like over 55-point pace now. And climbing, he's been skating on the top line with Larkin. uh, Nine points in his last 10 games. So this is a guy that's on fire in a good spot. I'd prefer him over like an Anthony Mantha who's been playing on the second line and Mantha's still rostered in a lot more leagues. Uh, Mantha did actually score on Saturday and he had assists today himself. So I don't mean this to be like a beat on Anthony Mantha. But I'm just saying like in a lot of leagues, obviously a little bit deeper. Robbie Fabry is someone who would definitely be on my roster. And then I also wrote here, I've already brought him up, but also Calvin Pickard is someone like an Aiden Hill, maybe like an Aiden Hill light or no, that's stupid. Like no. the same as Aiden Hill, basically. Like as long as Bernier's injured, Pickard is going to get probably all the starts because thomas grice is bad wait who's worse pickard or hill pickard okay i mean come on at this point you just were like trashing aiden hill before and saying you don't have faith in him so now you want to say you have lower faith than no faith no i didn't say i have no faith in hill (laughs) but i the team he plays for isn't as good pickard's team is not as good as hill's and Pickett, we've seen, get chances and uh, be bad. Yeah, well, two good games in a row now. All I'm saying is, like, if you need a goalie, he's someone who's out there that's going to play well, a lot right. and uh, whatever. Yeah, but maybe my main answer was Robbie Fabry, so you could comment on him. Yeah, Robbie Fabry at this point is who Bobby Ryan was at the start of the season, right? Bobby Ryan's uh, percent rostered climbed and climbed and climbed as he had a series of outstanding games to start the season. And Robbie Fabry's coming on hot lately. Uh, as you mentioned, like you shared, and like, I'm totally with you. I would ride this hot streak. Uh, and just be mindful that at some point it's going to stop and you're going to want to cut bait pretty quickly is my feeling. Uh, he's scoring at a 21% clip this season compared to his usual career, like 13, maybe 14%. And I just don't see uh, that this can really last, especially because while he might be on a good power play unit, the wings are still splitting their power play uh, pretty close to 50% most nights. The last the last few have changed, but I don't know if that's on purpose or not. Uh, the nice thing about Fabry is he is seeing career-high ice times. He's seen 20 minutes uh, almost three times in his last four games. And this is a guy who's never really seen more than uh, 16 minutes a game up until now. So uh, now's a really nice time to check out Robbie Fabry. Just be ready to check out on Robbie Fabry as soon as the points stop coming. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, that's one of my picks of like just someone who's so low that I think he'll go up. But that, you know, I promise, Brian, I'll bring you some like higher percent rostered guys that are more sure things in a little bit. 
<laughs> uh, so, okay, but how about before we move forward to our next players? We've still got a lot to go. We've got more players that we expect are going to be going up, and then we've also got a whole slew of players that we expect to go down for the rest of the season. But first, let's take a second to thank some sponsors for this episode of Keeping Carlson. And I want to start by thanking our distributor for this podcast, Blue Wire. It's been really fun getting onto Blue Wire and being able to be part of their network. And you know what? If you're listening to this and you're thinking maybe you want to make a podcast one day, maybe you should think about hosting your own podcast with our distributor, Blue Wire Pods. And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. So they created this thing called Hustle. It's created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you're going to receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcast, Lisa Leslie's on there. I don't know. You probably will, could even find better people than Brian and I. Uh, access to our uh, community Discord, e-learning course full of tips and tricks. Blue Wire Hustle's got it all. And on top of that, they'll get your show pushed to you know Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all the listening platforms. And you can get this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate you're going to pay if you want to host your podcast somewhere else. But you post, you know, you get in on Blue Wire Hustle and you're going to get all of this. Plus, they are going to help you to be good by giving all that free cover art and stuff. You're definitely not getting that on your other podcast providers. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to Brian and I talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. And we'd also like to thank another sponsor of the show, mybookie.ag, who, you know, if you're a hockey fan or a fan of sports in general, beyond just hockey, I guess other sports exist. Everyone knows that mybookie has a ton of opportunities to play and bet on your favorite sports and sports moments. And even like in game, as you go, there's constantly updating lines and props that you can bet on. Like for example, Elon, you're on mybookie.ag right now. And there are in game bets to make on the NHL action happening right now. What do you see on the board? So it's pretty funny. So right now, Florida is winning three to one over Dallas with like, how long? Three minutes to go. And you can actually still bet on this game. You could take like, is Dallas going to win by more than two? Or sorry, is Florida going to win by more than two or not to get more even odds? Or you can take a 770 plus 775, which means like 775 to one odds if you want to bet on Dallas to win with three minutes left. So you could just make these fun, like long shot bets, like midway through the game. I don't know, it's fun. Brian, imagine playing fantasy hockey and you could like add and drop players like mid game. Wouldn't that be so fun? like I have this guy like he's in my free agency I see he's having a good game I want to add him now yeah I'm not going to be able to get the production he's already had in the game but I can still bet on what's going to happen the rest of the game Yahoo's got to invent that but if you want to bet on games my bookie's already got you can bet on all this stuff mid-game it's fun what do I get if I just bet on Florida to win uh you're looking at you have to bet like $4,900 to win one (laughs) dollar I'm in (laughs) that would be uh that seems like a bad decision but hopefully you don't make bad decisions when you go over to mybookie.ag and check in their in-game odds and props you can sign up today at mybookie.ag and use the promo code carlson and you can get a 50 percent bonus on your first deposit up to one thousand dollars that's promo code carlson to claim your free cash bonus and add some more excitement to the sports you already love you can bet anything anywhere anytime 
with mybookie.ag. And if you plan on heading over there, also head over to responsiblegambling.org, which has lots of great tips about gambling responsibly online, including, uh, believe it or not, limiting alcohol, taking frequent breaks, not trying to win back what you've lost. You can head over there and see the rest at responsiblegambling.org. Okay, so like I said, we've got a lot to get to. We'll be back soon. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so Brian, let's get back to it. We've got more players to talk about that we think their Yahoo percent rosterage is going to go up between now and the end of the season. I just went with Robbie Fabry, so I believe it's your turn. Who do you got for us? I'm going to go into the level of roster ship that you have been uh, dabbling in or mired in for most of this episode so far. I'm going to a guy who is 9% rostered, and his name is Jason Zucker. He has now participated in a full practice with Pittsburgh, and the quote is that he is a lot closer to returning. Actually, the quote is a whole lot closer to returning. Before Zucker was injured, he was playing with Malkin, Kapanen, and Brian Rust. I guess the issue with not wanting Zucker, well, there, there, there are plenty. There are plenty. I just... This feels like an easy one to me to just predict that Zucker playing is going to gain and garner some interest. The problem for him is that there's nowhere good in the lineup to land right now, right? With Malkin hurt, except maybe on that top power play where Jared McCann is right now. So I wonder if Zucker can slide in there. His shot rates haven't been great all season, which is a reason we've always liked him on the show. But he did have nine shots in three games before getting hurt. And his shots on goal per game had always been feast or famine this season. And he had been feasting right before he got entered. So I would love for him to come back and do a little bit more feasting. For me, he's a guy, like, if I have an extra move to spend, I'll happily add him to my roster, stash him, and see how the first couple games go. I- I'd be ready to drop him. I'd prefer Robbie Fabry right now for what that's worth. But I also think that you might find some deep value in Jason Zucker, who I guess nobody wanted to hold on to in stash earlier on this season. Yeah, I mean, he was a free agent in a lot of my leagues before he got injured. So I guess it's not surprising that he hasn't been added since. Uh, by the way, you can go to gamedaylinetweets.com where you've got up-to-date practice lines. And I see uh, Zucker has been at practice. He's been playing on a line with McCann and Rodriguez, which I guess is the second line. And then he's been practicing on the second power play unit uh, with Marino, Matheson, Rodriguez, and like Anthony Angelo. Uh, the top power play has been Latang, Crosby, Gensel, Rust, and McCann. Like you mentioned, Jared McCann like is on a run, right? So I guess it makes sense why he hasn't bumped from that top power play yet i'm just bringing him up right now well he also hasn't been bumped from that top power play because give me the name of somebody who should bump him 
Okay, so I'll answer that. First of all, uh, he's got five points in his last three games, three power play points in his last two games. That's what I was that was what I was about to say about how he's doing well. But you're right, there hasn't been any great options to bump him yet. And I guess you consider Jason Zucker. You've always loved Jason Zucker, right? So to you, it's like obvious that Jason Zucker is like much much better than Jared McCann. I feel like it's maybe a coin flip about who's actually better at this yeah. point. <laughs> I mean, I'll definitely cop to loving Zucker a lot less. Like I thought going to Pittsburgh was going to be a really nice thing for him. It hasn't been. I don't have a ton of faith. I'm just pointing him out as somebody that you could add in stash sure and by the way so i'll give you another guy who you can add in stash that i had on my list here so another injured player that's apparently uh, like maybe not as far along as jason zucker but i'm seeing he's like day to day and getting better and could be back maybe next week or the week after and that's colton pareko if you need defense he's only 39 percent rostered on yahoo he had oh he hasn't played much this year only 16 games eight points in those 16 games that's so like a 42 point pace he's apparently been skating like i said could be back soon and he's a guy you know he gets you great peripheral so maybe this isn't the most exciting pick if you're in like a points only league but if you're in uh bangers and mash and you got your shots and your hits and your blocks Colton Pareko pretty much fills the statute and he could be like a 40 plus point defenseman which is hard to find in a lot of deeper leagues so he's someone I just uh, stashed in the cacuffle I dropped Eric Carlson for him actually and then brought in Kirby Doc a little like triple move there and yeah I'm banking on Pareko being more valuable to me than Eric Carlson who uh yeah I actually have Carl I'll just say it now I have Eric Carlson on my list of people who I expect to go down he's at 63 percent and I think that's gonna keep falling he's doing nothing but I don't know if we want to hammer that home too much but yeah Colton Pareko I'm into. Yeah, we'll wait on him. Uh, Eric Carlson is on both of our lists, I guess, which does not surprise me. Uh, But Pareko himself is a nice little guy you can add to your roster for sure. I'll just temper expectations for filling your your categories. Uh, He's averaging a couple shots, a couple blocks, and a hit per game so far, which is not nothing. Like, that's decent, but it's not like huge, huge uh, contributions to those. It's modest contributions to a few different cats instead of some really big contributions to one or two of them. So that's what, what to keep in mind if you're looking at adding and stashing Colton Pareko, which I definitely recommend, especially because you might be short, hard up for D. I've got a lot of defense, by the way, on my list of guys whose percent rostered should go down the rest of the season, but let's stick with guys whose percent rostered should go up this season. And I'm scrolling through my list. I don't have any blues. I don't have any defensemen. Uh, so I'm just going to pick somebody just because, and that's going to be Brock Nelson, whose percent rostered is 35% right now, which I understand uh, he's never been the sexiest, the most exciting guy to have on your fantasy team, but he's been, well, we call him Brock Steady around these parts, but he was not Brock Steady to start the season, just four points in 12 games, but now he's back doing his thing, 10 points in his last 13, 16 points in his last 23 games played, and that puts him right up at that 57-point pace that we're so used to expecting, we feel so comfortable expecting. And he's been putting up that 57-point pace over the last six weeks, which is a long enough sample for me to be like, yeah, Brock Nelson is back being Brock Nelson, Barry Trotz's favorite adult son. Last year, the reason Brock Nelson performed above that rate, I uh, paced for 65 points, was because his on-ice shooting percentage was too high. This year, it's been too low so far at 7.5%, which is why I think on the season, his point pace isn't at 57 points, but it is over the last six weeks again. So I think that's going well for him. I, I think everything is fine under the hood with Brock Nelson. He's also having the best power play performance of his career, despite not much different deployment. 
than in the past. And uh, this is also a moment where I'll mention that the Isles had five forwards on the power play the other night for 70 seconds. It was definitely the third, uh, like not the first or second most used iteration of their power play. So it might've just been a long change that didn't pan out. So just something to watch for in the next couple games to see if they go five forwards again. If a team could go five forwards uh, because they have no capable uh, defense to quarterback that unit and add value, the Isles would be up there in teams I would nominate to try a fifth forward on. Um, so Nelson uh, was one of those five forwards. Again, I'm not counting on this sticking, but right now, uh, assuming it doesn't stick, Nelson's still stuck on the second power play unit behind Matt Martin, who's been on the top unit. I don't know if there's a chance for Nelson to move up to the top unit or not, but in any case, I like him as a super steady 55, 60 point guy, and that's not always easy to find. And he's available in 65% of Yahoo leagues right now. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he's been quiet for a lot of the year, starting to heat up now, like you said. So uh, he's the kind of guy that I would, wouldn't would be surprised if it just stays around the same, just because I don't expect him to go, like, super hot. I think, like you say, he's going to be, like, steady, maybe a point every couple of games, maybe, like, averaging to, like, two points every three games. Uh, but yeah, definitely, like, if he's available in your league, he's someone that you can add and feel somewhat comfortable that he'll do something for you on, on most nights. So he's a pretty solid pick. Uh, okay, so let me go now, Brian. I feel like I have one player who's, like, low rostered, and then I have a couple who are very high that I still think will go higher. I feel like you want me to bring you some heat here. So let yeah. me do it. I'll do a slam dunk. This is like a joke. We don't even need to talk about it. I don't know why this is the case. Martin Nechas is 48% rostered on Yahoo, which is stupid. Like he had two goals and two assists in the 4-3 win over Tampa on Saturday, including six shots. He's got goals in three, six games now. He's playing on the top line with Aho and Nino. He's on the top power play, at least with Trocek out. Trocek might return soon, but still like Nechas is having a huge breakout season. He's got 28 points in 30 games now. This is a guy who should be rostered in like 100% of leagues, in my opinion, or like 90, you know? Like he's getting points almost every game. I don't know how shallow these leagues are that half of them don't have Nechas rostered, but if you're in one of those leagues, you might be in a clown league. Uh, so don't let that be the case and go grab Martin Nechas. Absolutely. 77-point pace, as you mentioned, with his huge production lately. And he's a guy who I kind of expected to be not a big shooter. So to be someone who is capable of, you know, 60 or more points and not doing a whole lot for you in the shots on goal category, but he's over two shots a game so far this season. And thanks as always to frozen tools for having that information just right at my fingertips when I need it. Uh, And playing on that top unit looks great. He hasn't been in bad deployment for a long, long time. So I like what the hurricanes see in him and how they keep using him in good situations and six shots against Tampa. I believe that was a, yeah, it was a season high for him. And that's a, that's a new trick. In his, up his sleeve. So Martin Nitesh should absolutely be rostered in all formats. Uh, I'll throw out another guy who I think should be rostered in all formats. Actually, I have a few. I'm just going to lump these guys together. Um, they're not quite 48%, but at 43%, well, I already mentioned Clayton Keller. Jacob Voracek, we mentioned last episode as a, like, the most under, under underrated 70-point player in the NHL. Uh, I know he's not exciting. Like, he's playing with Oscar Lindblom and Nolan Patrick, and he's, like, his time on ice has gone down. So there, there are flags, but probably worth rostering in more than half of all Yahoo leagues. Uh, and then two other names that I'll throw out there at 43% are uh, Kyle Palmieri, who just has not been having a great time this season. He did score his seventh goal in 32 games this year uh, tonight against Boston, which is very lovely and nice. And I'm happy for him. 
And I just feel like he's deserved better than what he's gotten so far. Because Palmieri's numbers under the hood are some of the best in his career, but he's seen career worst production thanks to a career low five on five shooting percentage, which is at 7% compared to his usual 11.5% or his previous worst 9.5%. And Palmieri's also seeing a career low five on five on ice shooting percentage down below 6%. And that's one reason why he's pacing for just 41 points this year. We didn't expect huge things uh, from him, especially once Taylor Hall had gone uh, his separate, separate ways. But I still would have expected at least 50 to 55 points from Paul Mary. He's also only pacing for 13 power play points. That'd be his lowest total since coming to New Jersey from Anaheim in 2015, 16, uh, pacing for just 13, like I said. But usually we've been able to expect 20 power play points from Paul Mary in a season. I see room for growth from Palmieri, but uh, that's all to say. I've also seen it for a while, and I'm actually really concerned looking at his game log right now. Four consecutive games where he's played fewer than 15 minutes. Two of them, he's been a shade under 14 minutes. So I I don't know what the deal is. I'm not sure what the plan for Palmieri is, but I do know that he's played better than the 41-point pace he's had so far. And I would love to see him finally get some puck luck to turn those fortunes around. Yeah, I like Paul Mary. I actually traded for him recently in one of my leagues. So hopefully he'll be able to bounce back a little bit. I like that goal today. But yeah, the ice time is a little concerning. He's an unrestricted free agent. So he might be another person who gets traded at the trade deadline and goes somewhere else. And I would imagine that would probably be worse for him. But I guess if you're saying his ice time is down, maybe it could end up better. Like I heard Boston as a candidate, they need that second line right winger. But obviously, that's not a great place for you to get a lot of points for fantasy because you're not going to be on the top power play and not playing on the top line. Uh, Okay, so I'll give you a guy that we could just talk about quickly because you're going to say he's too boring. Uh, Jared Spurgeon is down at 19% roster. So you were talking about potentially having a replacement for Aaron Ekblad and Eric Carlson. We're saying here in the chat that K-Towny City said that Carlson and San Jose have a great playoff schedule for your fantasy leagues. So yeah, you could replace Ekblad with Carlson if you need a defenseman. But I would maybe suggest, and I hate saying this, but I feel like Jared Spurgeon is someone I might have a little bit more faith in at this point. Maybe just I'm feeling burned by Eric overall. But Spurgeon's like on pace for worst ever season he only has nine points in 31 games for a 24 point pace he's usually a good bet for a 40 plus point pace he started to pick it up a little bit three points in his last three games including a couple goals versus anaheim minnesota still has a lot of games to go if you recall they you know had all those canceled games when everyone was on the covid list or i should say postponed games so i just think like i I don't see why spurgeon can't for the rest of the season be like what he was for the past like two, three seasons, right around a 40 point defenseman. I think right now he's fallen to be more like, you know, people are like rostering him as if he's only like a 30 to 35 point defenseman. I think he can do a little bit better. So again, not a home run swing here, but I think he's like a solid guy. He's available in most of the leagues. So probably in your league, if you need a D, you could do worse. A very palmary like choice. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> somebody who's underperformed all season and should be doing better, but there's Like, he should have been doing better for a long time now, and there's no sign of this big turnaround coming. It's nice to see him score twice against Anaheim the other night, and, uh, and, but, uh, you know, I, I guess when he did that, I thought back to when we talked about Matt Dumba being injured and whether this meant more opportunity for anyone. I, I still, looking at the numbers since then, I, I think that bears out. I don't think Spurgeon has any more opportunity now with Dumba out than before. But he shouldn't need more opportunity to be doing better than he's done. So definitely someone to just keep on your watch list for now. And then if you need defense uh, at the right moment, you can go out and grab Jared Spurgeon. Uh, I have, I like you know, I'm, I'm looking for the segues 
Elon, to, to move from Jared Spurgeon onto someone else. I'm missing one. So I'm just going to go, you're the Sultan of Segway. So that's that's your forte. I'll leave that to you. I thought, honestly, when I talked about Brock Nelson, I thought I was setting you up for a really great segue to go to someone in Long Island as well, who is 12% rostered. And that's Oliver Wallstrom, who has five goals in his last eight games, plus two assists for seven points in his last eight. And those five goals are coming on 19 shots in his last eight games. So while that does add up to a 25% shooting percentage, he's at least taken two and a half shots per game in this stretch. He's also pretty well entrenched in that Isles top nine where nobody really sticks out. I guess beyond that, Barzal is getting really fantastic deployment. But he's playing with Pajot and Beauvillier on the second power play, which isn't terribly exciting. But he did see 17 and a half minutes in his last game, which was a season high. And he's just been doing really well for a couple weeks now. Uh, Actually, almost a month now, if I'm really looking into it. So Oliver Wallstrom, still only 12% rostered as his opportunity continues to increase and the points continue to come. Seems to me like a guy whose numbers should be rising. I definitely agree 100%. Like, uh, he's an easy one. He's way too low rostered for someone producing like he is. So definitely go grab him if you're in a league where you want to jump on a hot player. I don't know what the Islanders are doing with these lines. Leo Komarov has lately been playing on the top line with Barzal and Everly, which is wild. I never expected that. So that's another guy you could like jump on for a stream while it lasts. Because if your league counts hits, only if your league counts hits. Because you're going to have, he got an assist recently. I feel like he'll get a point every two, three games just because he's playing with Barzal and then he'll give you those hits. But also, I don't think it's going to last for a long time. Obviously, I like Oliver Wallstrom better. <laughs> By the same logic, you could also go for Matt Martin, who has, I think, better hit numbers and is on the top power play. That's insane. I don't know how that's the case. <laughs> it's insane. They love Komarov and Matt Martin over <laughs> in Long Island. All right, so I'm basically done, Brian. I got one more name here. It's another home run. Pavel Buchnevich is only 72% oh. rostered, and he's been, like, amazing. He should be higher. Buchnevich has 17 points in his last 14 games, uh, up to 31 points in 33 games on the season now. So it's, like, again, kind of like when I was talking about Martin Nechas. It's, like, I don't know what people are waiting for when someone's, like, over a point per game for, like, the last month. So I think these are probably just inactive leagues, or I don't know what it is, but obviously he was an easy guy for me to put on the list. And, Brian, that's it for me. For the players who I think, uh, well, that's my top. Top 10. Okay, I'm going to throw out a couple more who both play for the same team and both would have been great segues from Jared Spurgeon and Kyle Palmieri as guys who should be turning things around, but they aren't, but I still believe they will. They both play for Dallas, believe it or not, that fantasy wasteland of talent. And uh, their names are, I'll start with Denis Gurianov at 17% rostered. He's the guy who has spent the most time on my watch list this season without me having added him. Like, at all. I like everything I see from Goryanov, except for what's on the actual score sheet. So I'm just waiting. Like, please, Dennis, show me something. And on Saturday night, he had a goal on four shots, and his time on ice was back above 18 minutes for just the fourth time in a month. And to me, that was a sign. Like, okay, now's my moment. I'm going to go grab him. And of course, someone else already beat me to it in my cuckupful division. So not only on my watch list, clearly, but I think he's going to turn things around from his very sad season that he's having so far um, that started off so promising, right? I don't know if you remember Goriano's start. He started the year with seven points in four games, but has just nine points in 28 games since to be on a 41-point pace. And some of that is because of his own 5.4 shooting percentage. Some of that is because of Dallas's five-on-five on-ice shooting percentage of 6.6%, while Goriano is on the ice. But... 
He's seen an overall bump of two minutes per game over last season at five on five. And to me, I'm looking at everything I'm seeing from Goryanov and being like, this is a breakout season gone off the rails because of variance. And also because of being on Dallas, probably. I've got to take my dig at, at Dallas there. So he's a rare Dallas forward that I'd be interested in rostering right now, but he's not on the top power play. So that would be a reason to still be like, I'm not sure if I'm ready yet. But you know who is on the top power play in Dallas? Jason Robertson, who is 19% rostered. He's up to 13 points in his last 12 games, two goals and 11 assists, 36 shots in that 12 game span for Jason Robertson. So he's only shooting 5.6% while collecting 13 points in 12 games. So I might even say he's cold on the goal scoring, which maybe offsets the heat on the assist that he's picking up. But Robertson has three or more shots in eight of his last nine games, which is just so nice. And he's getting top line ice time, top power play time. I would roster him before Gurionov, but both of them interest me for sure. Okay, yeah, Brian, it's really funny how you're still hating on Dallas. You know that Joe Pavelski is a point-per-game guy still. Like, he's getting points every single game. I feel like, I, th- I think I'm at a point where I'm happy to say that I think Pavelski is great and you want the player on his line. And right now, like you said, it is definitely Jason Robertson and Rupe Hints when he is healthy, which is only every second game or so. So that's a hot line that I want the most. You know what I've come to decide about Dallas? By the way, you said Jason Robertson as if it's like a big surprise. Like, this is a guy who's been on a good run now for a while and like short shifts have been all over him. And I've come to realize Dallas is just a team where every single year there's going to be a new player to be excited about like two seasons ago like Rupe Hintz came out of the scene remember we're all like oh my god Rupe Hintz look at this guy and then last year was Dennis Gurionov now this year is Jason Robertson I'm really curious to see who it's going to be next year but in the meantime Brian we grabbed him in our joint league over the fantasy hockey trades invitational and I was really surprised in such a deep league to get such a hot player on the top line and top power play producing like this so yeah Gurionov sure he's okay he's playing on line with Jamie Ben, which is not that exciting at this point in Ben's career uh, Jason Robertson, 100%, I would be grabbing him in most leagues. So let's go to the other side of the coin and talk about some players who we think are rostered in too many Yahoo leagues. We think these numbers are going to go down in the rest of the season. And I'm going to have to start. This is going to be sad. We've already talked about it a little bit earlier on in the year. But at this point, it's kind of crazy that Patrick Laine of the Columbus Blue Jackets is still rostered in 80% of leagues. He's doing nothing. He's like Eric Carlson at this point. Like He has two assists in his last eight games now after going pointless again today in the loss to Calvin Pickard and the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, he's hardly taking any shots on goal. 11 shots in his last seven games going into today. Day. I'm checking now. Wow, one shot. Thanks for showing up, Patrick, for your game today against Detroit. Uh, people are holding him because of his name value. I feel like if he was dropped in the cupful, I, I, you know, as someone who's like fighting and needs to win every single matchup, I don't think I'd be adding him, to be honest, which is crazy. But I think you should, yeah, Shams is asking in the chat, am I allowed to drop Line A? I think so. Like, what are you waiting for? He's not getting traded. Maybe he'll get traded in the offseason. He's not getting traded at the trade deadline, I don't think. So this is, I think, it. Like, Brian, do you have any reason for optimism aside from the fact that he used to be a 30-40 goal scorer? No, Patrick Line also headlines my list as the guy who's percent rostered ship i expect to go down from 88 percent to i think he should be owned below 50 percent. honestly the way i see him right now is like you said he's only there because because of his name value i wonder if that's like phil kessel territory right because he's had these hot streaks too when line came to columbus he started with 10 points in 10 games six goals and four assists but had only taken 18 shots so had a high shooting percentage and wasn't even shooting a lot uh and that not shooting a lot has been a theme for line his shot rates 
have been cut in half at 5-on-5 compared to his last couple years in Winnipeg, and his expected goals rates, too, have also been very bad. Cut in half to a number uh, officially at 0.27 expected goals per 60 minutes, which you don't need to know expected goals deeply, because I'm just going to tell you, that's a very bad number. That's not a number I expect to see from a goal scorer in terms of how dangerous and high like high danger their shot attempts have been. Line had also... Like he's been putting up these numbers, seeing decent opportunities in Columbus. Like his ice time was fine, but now recently it's been slashed. He saw less than 15 minutes in his last game against Detroit. And if you want to try and defend Lina, you could say that the variance hasn't been kind to him, which is true, but he's not doing well at the things he can control himself either. And here's an example of how Patrick Lina, four points in his last 15 games, so one goal and three assists in his last 15 games, one goal on 32 shots, which is a 3.1% shooting percentage. That's bad. I expect Liney to shoot better than that, but you know what else is bad? Only taking four shots in your last four games played, Patrick Liney. That's what else is bad. So I I hope you see what I'm getting at there with that example. Liney deserves better, but better is marginal considering his shot rates and locations. This could still work, Patrick Liney, as an NHL player, as a productive NHL player, but he has yet to see sustainable success in Columbus, and I just don't know how great the odds are for him seeing that this season, considering they don't play a system built for offensive upside. I imagine most people are just going to keep growing more and more impatient with Liney as weeks become more critical, and I won't blame them. I think you can drop him. In fact, Elon, I'm curious that 88% rostered if that, like, I'd like to see the roller coaster. Like, how many times has he been dropped and added? Are managers adding him to their rosters, getting impatient after a week, and then someone else is like, okay, my turn to take a chance on him. That's my only way that I can probably explain that Line is still 88% rostered because someone's like, oh, I'll try him out. Okay, but have you seen that? Like, how many leagues are you in? Have you seen Patrick Line dropped in any of them? Yeah, I guess not. So maybe that's not it. Yeah, I'm in five leagues, and I haven't seen Patrick Line dropped in any of them. So I don't think that's it. I just think people are holding on, hoping that he'll bounce back, just like I was hoping for Mika Zibanejad and Taylor Hall. And at this point, I'm ready to say goodbye to Taylor Hall, and I think people should be equally likely ready to say goodbye to Patrick Line. I am with you. I'm going to knock someone else on this list out just because we've already talked about him. So let's just formally name Eric Carlson at 63% rostered as somebody who's uh, percent rostered should, should, should go down. Like this is us telling you uh, the hosts of keeping Carlson do not keep Carlson the rest of the season. We're not going to ever change the name of our show. That's not in the cards. We still respect the glory days of Eric Carlson, but we are not in them. He has a 31 point pace this season. And at five on five, you know, things have been rough for him. Uh, variance wise, his IPP is below 20% when it's normally been 50% while Eric Carlson has been a shark. He's no goals on 39 shots when maybe he should have a couple, but frankly, that's the only space I see for positive regression. And it's not a big space. It's like Patrick Liney. Everything else looks pretty bad, even though he's not getting a lot of luck on top of it. I don't see even things going well, meaning uh, an Eric Carlson that's consistently above a 40-point pace. His power play deployment is fine, and he's been very mad with it. So you mentioned you added Pareko for Eric Carlson, and I like Pareko's peripheral floor uh, and maybe 35, 40-point production over Eric Carlson, who you're looking at 40 
I'll stretch it and say maybe 45 point production, but with no floor peripherals that he's really contributing with. So that is why I don't think Eric Carlson is worth rostering in 63% of Yahoo leagues. Yeah, like the counterpoint is like he has upside, sure. Like he's still yeah. like on the power play, takes shots. And apparently San Jose has this really good playoff schedule. So take a look. But, you know, like whatever. Don't get mad at us if you drop him and then he heats up because he is Eric Carlson. He can potentially do it. So can Patrick Laine, I have to say. But at this point, if you have to make some tough calls, he's someone who I would consider letting go of. So Brian, now I've got a call for a super shallow league. So I'm saying most people shouldn't drop this guy. I actually just think that like no one should drop him. But I think his rosterage is still too high. He's at 94%. I expect it to go down. That's right. Ryan Nugent Hopkins over on the Edmonton Oilers. So he's not having such a great season, right? He has 26 points in 35 games for a 61-point pace. His last couple of years, he was at like a 77 and 69-point pace. So we're talking a big dip. And I think his percent rosterage is still like kind of based on what he's done the last couple of years. Plus... Like if he was if if that was it and he was just like not producing as much as previous years, I wouldn't even say anything. But the fact that the Oilers ran lines on Saturday with R and H away from both McDavid and Drysidle really concerns me. And of course, there's no way to know. Like Tippett might change it back. But again, if I'm fighting, like I right now, I don't know how interested I am in a Ryan Eugene Hopkins playing on the second line with Yamamoto and Cahoon while McDavid, Drysidle, and Puliarvi are all together. Like obviously, Nugent Hopkins has the power play, so he's still going to get some points. But this like 60-ish point pace that he's on this season, that, you know, that seems pretty realistic, especially if he's, like, not playing with McDavid or Dreisaitl at even strength. I think you shouldn't be expecting any more than that. Uh, So, yeah, 94% seems high for someone that gives me a lot of concerns. In Saturday's game, by the way, no points and no shots for RNH when he was on this line with Yamamoto and Cahoon. So, yeah, Yamamoto, by the way, is another guy who, like, forget about. We've already said that. And obviously, until the lines change, and RNH I'm concerned about. Yeah, Nugent Hopkins is back in that familiar territory where he's not playing with a stud, which is not to take away from Nugent Hopkins and how he still manages with that top power play time, a 60-point pace, uh, but maybe that's all you should expect so long as he's not playing with McDavid or Dreisaitl, which has been the case for about seven of his last 10 games. I don't think McDavid and Dreisaitl are going to be attached at the hip the rest of the way. I just don't think Edmonton is deep enough to really make that a viable long-term option. I could see them like going back and forth with that idea the rest of the season. I think Nugent Hopkins, uh, what'd you say, 94% rostered? Yes. Like, so in what, I, yeah, like you said, this is a super shallow league where you're dropping him and giving up and saying, yeah, he's not going to play with McDavid or Dreisaitl, or I should say McDavid because he rarely plays with Dreisaitl uh, the rest of the season. Uh, okay. I'm like, I'm more like, I'm saying I think it's going to go down. I'm not saying like, I'm oh, yeah, suggesting I our listeners to drop him, but I think like, there's a prediction that I think is going to come true. But he's as so he... in so many leagues where like as a 60 to 65 point player. Yeah, I guess I guess I just see other players like Elias Lindholm is rostered in like ninety five percent. Okay, so that's not a good example. But Sean Monahan at sixty five percent. I wonder if Monahan and R and H are like similar. I know Monahan. Actually, I was about to. The reason why I'm bringing up these flames is because I have them next on my list. Uh, but yeah, I guess like compared to other players, he seems high compared to the people who are lower than him that I have more confidence in. So that's why I have him there. Like maybe my advice is more like to try to trade him. You know, if you can't drop him, if your league is too deep to not drop some like R and H, which is most leagues, then maybe you want to try to figure out a way to offload him or you can hold on and hope that he gets back on a good line but he's not having a great year and now with the lines shaken up for now i'm not excited about him on the next game like if it was a weekly league and i'm deciding who to start for next week i don't think i'd be picking him if i had other options that i thought were in better spots 
Right, unless you see him back on with McDavid. I mean, he hasn't even yeah. like he has been so cold lately. I don't know. I, I don't. I'm saying I'm... 61 point pace on the season, so he's well down below a lot of people who are he's ranked ahead of. Okay, but he also has six points in his last eight games. Yeah, but now he's off the uh, top line. He's on okay. a line with Yamamoto and Cahoon. So I don't yeah. expect that to continue. This is a prediction, Brian. So okay. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not making my predictions fully on the past. I'm looking at the current situation. This is my call. You could disagree. That's allowed. So Brian says Nugent Hopkins is going to get back to being the 70-point guy no, that you drafted. that's not even what I'm saying. I'm just saying he still has value. I just, of course. Yeah. Of course. He's 94%. That's the exercise. I'm trying to, to pick adjust it. your expectations. Yeah, like uh, I could have just him. said to only look at players who are 30% rostered and less and then like told you that I think they're going to go down. I'm looking at someone who's high up that I think should also okay. go down. All right. Cool. Uh, nice pick for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. <laughs> you hate it. Yeah, I do. I'm going to pick somebody who is uh, far, far, far more obvious and someone we've mentioned. I know there was some some chat about uh, him in our Discord server, our patrons-only Discord server. By the way, keepingcarlson.com slash patron if you want to support the show and get a bunch of cool perks plus extra access to Elon and I as a thank you. Uh, Mike Hoffman at 72% rostered. Uh, Hoffman's owners are snoozing, snoozing hard. Right? He's on a 50-point pace, playing on the third line, second power play unit, not being hit terribly hard by variance, and he's just been stone cold for half the season now. He started the year uh, on fire, 14 points in 17 games, but has just four points in 16 games since that run, and I don't see much reason that he's going to be able to turn this around. Clearly, St. Louis doesn't think they need him to be their power play shooter, which is funny, right? Because uh, here's your reminder that Mike Hoffman has paced for 25, 35, 21, and 27 power play points in his last four seasons. And the Blues are like, okay, whatever. Like, we, we have other guys who can do that. So that's great. And I guess they want David Perron, who's doing a fantastic job as the trigger man on the power play, to continue doing that. And you don't see a need for Mike Hoffman. Um, and because of that, I think you should just let him go. And now it's like, okay, Eric Carlson, uh, value tank since leaving Ottawa, Mike Hoffman, same thing, although he kept it up in Florida. Matt Duchesne, his value is down. Ryan Dezingle, his value went nowhere and then has come back to, to semi-relevance now that he's back in Ottawa. All these guys crush it. So they leave Ottawa. It's uh, really interesting. So don't go for guys who have been traded from the Ottawa Senators. Is I mean, my, Mark Stone. Is the moral of the story. Except Mark Stone. He's amazing. <laughs> I probably would kill Mika's bandage ad's pretty good. Okay, yeah. All right. <laughs> it was not a good point that I made, so let's not dwell on it. All right, fair enough. By the way, Mike cheek. Mike Hoffman uh healthy scratched today oh. for the blues. So if you had more reason to be concerned, uh I would not expect him to like obviously he's not gonna be healthy scratched the rest of the season, but he doesn't look like he's in line anytime soon to get prominent deployment. He doesn't seem to have the faith of the coaching staff. So yeah, definitely I think you can let go of Mike Hoffman. That's an easy one, Brian. I was trying to give it have some challenge here and pick some good players who I think are still gonna go down. Uh so let me do another one that you're gonna hate, I think. Okay, uh, try me. I want right. to like it. I just want to be clear. I want to like it. I just okay. get with it. But I'm I'm trying. Let's do one now. Another player who I don't think is bad, but uh, Jonathan Marcheseau at eighty four percent. I think that he's someone that I would be ready to flip. You know, not drop uh, unless you know whatever. But like he was on a run of seven points in seven games recently, so that's really like gotten him up to his fifty nine point pace on the year. So yeah, he's so overall he's sitting at a fifty nine point pace, which is the exact same pace he's had for the last couple of years. He's just a, like he had that one amazing breakout year, uh, the first year that Vegas existed. Then since then, just a solid sixty point guy basically. This year he was like less than that until a recent run, but he's now pointless in his last two 
two games. So I feel like the ceiling, to me, I feel like his ceiling is like a 60 point guy because that's just what he's been forever. But he's seen for a lot of the season, he was below that. You know, he got a bump in deployment with Patch Ready out for a couple of games. He was on the top power play, but he's off that. So, you know, I just feel like it's kind of boring. Like 84%, again, it's like for me doing this exercise, I was looking at the players like around him. And to me, he sort of stood out as someone that like, why is he so high compared to some of these other guys? So I don't know. Marshall, I'm not saying he's going to go down to 50, but I could see him going down to like 70% or 75% by the end of the year. I think he's going to have a bit of a dip. Marshall didn't officially make my list, but uh, he did catch my eye. The reason he didn't actually land on my list was because I loved his shot totals uh, in the month of March. Uh, like over a span of 13 games, not counting the last two, uh, because he's only got two shots in his last two games. But in the first 13 games of March, he had 53 shots on goal, including uh, games against LA and St. Louis back to back, where he had 15 shots on goal, an eight shot night and a seven shot night. So that's why he escaped my list of players whose percent rostered should drop. I agree that you shouldn't get excited about Marcheseau being above a 60 point player. Uh, this is who he is. He's been pretty much exactly this going on three years now. Um, he's been pretty hot at five on five, but cold on the power play. And I think those have washed each other out to get sort of a, a fair expectation for him. But if you had to ask me plus or minus 60 points or even 59 points, I would go minus. So uh, that's where I'm at for Jonathan Marsha. So I guess this just comes down again to what is worth rostering in your format as a 60 point player who can go off for crazy shot totals lately uh, still worth rostering. I mean, on one hand, you say he could go off for crazy shot totals. He's also had a lot of like one and two shot games recently. So I, you know, uh, two sides of the coin. Yeah. Well, the one shot games are sandwiched between like five and seven shot games. So I'm not, I'm not that concerned. Like his shots are really, really great. He's averaging three shot, like, and he's always been a shooter. They, he wasn't shooting a whole lot to start the season and he seems to have remedied that lately, which is reason for me to be like, okay, I'll keep him. So I, I hear you, Elon, though. If you look at him amongst the other 84% rostered players, he might stick out like a bit of a sore thumb. Um, here's another Vegas player who I'm going to put on my I, like i feel like you might be able to guess it Do you okay let guess? me guess sure alex tuck uh no uh i don't know then riley smith <laughs> okay yeah so you're not gonna guess it because i'm going to the crease i'm going to mark andre fleury who is 96 percent rostered and yet he is uh like any like he deserved it right i think you probably started the season what 50 percent drafted or maybe 60 percent drafted but now he is 96 percent rostered thanks to some huge 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 stellar play in vegas while robin liner was out but now robin liner is back and since robin liner has been healthy flurry seems to not be doing so well and i think that leaves the door open we talked about liner's return in a recent show and saying you know we probably think the the golden knights are going to want to have both their goalies having seen some recent action as they head into the playoffs but flurry is giving them reason to maybe look a little even more I- intently at playing robin liner because flurry has just an 896 save percentage in his last eight games he's still won five of them thanks to uh, some really great run support and of course like he had a couple good starts in there too but he has not been as consistently fantastic as he's been all season long so i think especially with a 50 50 timeshare coming that mark andre Fleury managers uh, should probably be looking to move on because he's not going to be as valuable in a timeshare as he was before even if he does put up amazing numbers which he hasn't been doing for the last couple weeks yeah 
I mean, I just don't know if we're like in this 50-50 timeshare yet. Like he got the start yesterday versus Colorado when it could have gone to Robin Leonard because Fleury had played the previous game and you could say, and he led only two goals. That was like a good call, I guess, by the coach and they got a win. Like he's had some tough competition, you know, recently, like like these like that bad game against Colorado where he led in five goals. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it might be more like 60-40 and not 50-50 to be honest, which, you know, I agree with you that maybe he won't be able to keep up these amazing numbers he's had all year, but I'll be surprised actually if his percent rostered goes down. Like I can't just imagine any league where he'll be droppable but i guess it's possible i can tell you since robin laner has been dressing it's been flurry then laner then flurry then laner and then flurry went twice though flurry played played two games in a row oh yeah sorry okay <laughs> yeah yeah you did just mention that so they started 50 50 then they went flurry okay yeah so i will see 96 percent rostered even for a two-thirds starter is a two-thirds st- starter that's setting the world on fire or just, like doing really reliably well sure but 96% seems pretty high. Okay, that's fun. Uh, I don't really disagree, but I do think that it's like, that's not that different than what I said about Ryan Nugent Hopkins. <laughs> like, he's a 94, and you really hated that pick. But I think that Hopkins is a better chance. We should make a bet. Oh, do you want to make a bet for the bet board right now? Who's going to go down by more between Hopkins yes. versus Flurry? Done. Okay, mark it down. All right. I'll mark it down somewhere where I'll find it within the next three months and put it on the bet board. All right. So next, uh, let me do this one. I think is pretty easy. I think you'll agree. So we're going a little lower here. Yanni Gourd at 62% rostered. He's super hot right now. That's why it's shot up. He had a five game goal streak that was broken in the four three loss to Carolina yesterday. But here's basically all I need to know when I'm trying to decide if I think someone's gonna be able to keep something up like this. He's playing on the third line with Coleman and Goudreau, which is like a shutdown line. Uh, he's got only nine shots in his last five games. Uh, that's it. That's all I need to know. I know he's not going to keep up getting a lot of goals because he's not shooting a lot and he's not playing uh, on a big offensive line. So Yanni Gord had a great run. If you got in on it, congratulations. I know Jeff Good got in on it when he played me last week in the couple. It was very annoying. Uh, but now Yanni Gord, like he's 62% now. I have a feeling next time we record, it'll be down to like 52%, maybe settle in around 40, 45% is my guess. Yeah, I am totally with you. Five goals on 13 shots for Yanni Gordon. He's a guy, like, if you follow through the year. And Tampa's also had a really good schedule the last couple of weeks, which I think has bumped up his percent rostered numbers, too. Uh, one of those guys that gets added and dropped so often because of these hot streaks that he's made his name on. So good on you, Yanni Gord, for getting hot again. And we'll see you again the next time you do. But I'm not, I'm not going to hold you uh, while I wait for that to happen. Uh, all right. So you've mentioned Gord at what was he? 62%. My closest player to that is 63%. And it's Joel Farabee, who was like the extended version of Yanni Gord for the first half of the season. And we warned, we warned, we warned, we said regression's coming. And it wasn't even a hot take. It was like, clearly, it was going to come. Farabee could not keep up that insane start he had to the season uh, that helped him uh, pretty much remember, he started the season with what was it, a four-point night, and everybody just raced to get him, and then he went quiet, and then he started doing it again, and all these multi-point nights followed, um, and it's all added up to a 69-point pace, 27 points in 32 games for Joel Farabee, but his best days of the season, I am so, so sure, are behind him, which is why Joel Farabee at 63% rostered is likely going down the rest of the season. He's down to just five points in his last 10 games, only 16 shots in those 10 games. And this is just uh chicks coming home to roost for Joel Farabee's production. He is still playing like he has decent deployment. He's with Claude Giroux and Kevin Hayes at five on five. He's on a power play, the second unit with Claude Giroux, um, which is still decent, but um, a really good illustration of exactly why we can't expect 
great things to continue from Farabee is that even with this cold streak, his shooting percentage is now down to 20% on the season. And his points participation rate is down to 80% on the season. Down to both those numbers after a recent cold spell where usually like that's as high as you can go. That's just where he's fallen over the last 10 games, uh, which means like they were sky high to begin with. So this is not a hot take. This is uh, clearly a player who is not going to keep up what he was doing. And if you're hanging on, waiting for the next Farabee renaissance, I wouldn't. Like, I'd just leave him behind and, like, be like, oh, I wish I held him for that three-point game. Because it's going to happen again this season, I imagine. But I don't think it's going to happen consistently enough for him to be worth rostering over these final weeks. Huh. I don't know. Like, uh... I think 62% sounds about right, to be honest, for someone playing on the top line with Giroud. Maybe it should be a little lower. Like, I, if he was dropped in Kakupful, I think I would strongly consider him, since he's shown that he's capable of having big games, which I like. I like a big game impact guy on my fantasy team who I could, like, you know, if I'm ba- behind by, like, a lot, he has the potential to have a multi-point game because we've seen him do it. I know that he's, like, gone cold, and I definitely don't think he's, like, a 70-point guy or whatever you said that he can be, but I think he could still be, like, a 55-60 point guy, which is worth rostering in a lot of leagues, mm-hmm. according to Yahoo. I don't know. I guess yeah, we'll see. I think- I think that's a little high. I think my my analog, my analogy would be maybe someone like Jordan Cairo as a as a Farabee alike over the rest of the season, and Cairo's only 35% rostered. Yeah, I guess the thing with Cairo is he's ha- gotten bad deployment. Like, like, he, like, last week, we talked about how Cairo got onto a line with Ryan O'Reilly and Perron, I believe it was, and I feel like you were the one who, like, poured the cold water, as you should have, that who knows if that's even going to last. And, like, today, St. Louis is playing, and they're running with Perron, Shen, Thomas, then Tarasenko, Schwartz, and O'Reilly, and then Cairo's playing with Sanford and Bozak. So, I... We're seeing from Cairo that like he was able to go on a good run when he was playing with good line mates, but now he's back in the bottom six. So Joel Farabee's still playing with Giroux and Hayes. So I think he's in a better spot than Cairo. I'd rather have yeah. uh, Farabee right now. Fair point. So, but maybe not thirty percent more rostered to that extent. I don't know. That's that's my case. Yeah, that's fair. Like if Cairo was dropped in Kakupfel right now, I wouldn't even think of adding him. And if Farabee was dropped, I'd be like, hmm, how much fab should I put on him? So I guess oh, it depends. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't be that into him. All right, so let me ask you about another uh, flyer then, since we're on them. I'm not this one, like I put on the list just because I mainly wanted to hear your thoughts. So Kevin Hayes, who's playing with Joel Farabee, is sitting at 47. percent uh, He's only got three points in his last nine games. So he did have a nice one goal and one assist game in that 8-3 loss to the Rangers on Thursday. So it's nice for him, not nice for the rest <laughs> of the team. Uh, he's pacing for 57 points still on this season, which is good. But he's generally not like a 57 point guy. Like he's usually closer to like a 50 point guy. That's what he's been for the last couple of years. So my sense is that. This cold streak is like kind of what you should have expected. And I feel like he'll continue to be like this, like half point per game, like maybe 50 point guy going forward. So I'm just curious to get your take on Kevin Hayes. Is he someone that you're like super excited about and you like Kevin Hayes? Or is he someone like similar to Joel Farabee at this point? No, you know, I've always liked Kevin Hayes. I think he's a really quality player who's never gotten quite the opportunity to show his best offensive self. You said he's been a, a 49 point guy the last couple of years. You're wrong. He was a 64-point player a couple years back when he split time between uh, the Jets, but was mostly with the Rangers that season, and he was he was that year's 2C solution for the Jets. Uh, he's good. I like Kevin Hayes a lot. His opportunity is higher right now than it has been before, both in terms of power play deployment and uh, total time on ice. And I don't think 57 points uh, pace the rest of the way is too much to ask. So if Kevin Hayes... Were dropped and Joel Farabee were both dropped. I would be more interested mm-hmm. in Kevin Hayes. 
I think I'd be more interested in Joel Farabee. But okay, okay I guess so you... Is, is this another bet? Hayes yep. versus Farabee, rest of season? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I think, like, clearly you and I have a slightly different thing. Like, you definitely want to go more for the guys that are, like, you know, the guys you've seen produce for, like, a couple years now. And Farabee clearly still has to prove it to you for longer. He had a good start to the year. Now he's slowed down. Kevin Hayes is just boring to me. Like, I feel like... Yeah, he's boring. Like, he goes... He does go cold. Like, this is the knock on Kevin Hayes. He goes cold. He goes missing for stretches. But then he usually comes back. So I like I guess you could say, describe Farabee in a pretty similar way, except the usually comes back part, which is like what you just said. He hasn't proven that to me that he usually comes back. But Kevin Hayes, I know he usually does. All right. Fair enough. So, Brian, who do you have next? Because I just went with Hayes. Okay, I'm going to go to back to Dallas, where I found two guys who were under rostered. And I have two guys who are over rostered in Dallas. And one of them, like, I don't know, Elon, if this if my list is just victory laps of guys that we've warned about long enough to be like see like he's still rostered on this Uh, many teams it's just please don't say joe pavelski (laughs) no i'm not saying joe pavelski don't worry i'm saying jamie bennett 73 percent rostered he has this sub par five on five on ice shooting percentage which is usually a flag but it's been this way for three years now and i think it's partly because of him to blame and partly because of the system he plays in like and and jamie ben remember at the start of the season when everybody in dallas was like going off because that crazy high Dallas power play Jamie Ben was not in on that just two power play points in 28 games even though he's been mostly on the top power play uh, where he hasn't been very involved in goals scored he hasn't been shooting a lot just 12 power play shots no goals on them Uh, he's not in as much a shooting role on the power play as he has been in the past maybe he'll pick some of those power play points back up but he had a 56-point pace in 2018-19. Then Jamie Ben followed that up with a 47-point pace last season. And anyone this committed to him in 2021 to still be rostering him, I think is just not facing up to who Jamie Ben has become, which is a 50-ish point guy on a team that struggles to score anyway. So 73% roster for Jamie Ben is just too high. Oh, yeah, I agree for sure. It's like we've already said about like Patrick Laine and Mike Hoffman and Eric Carlson. At least they've like only been bad this year. Jamie Ben, yeah. Jamie ben was already bad last year. We got yeah. a tweet recently from someone who was like, what's wrong with Ben? And I was like, did you watch last year? <laughs> like, he's the same. He's yeah. made, He might even be worse. He had a 46 point pace last season. Currently, he's sitting at a 49 point pace. I expect him to fall below last year by the end of the year. So that's my current opinion of Jamie Ben. Okay, Brian, uh, let's continue with the disappointment train. I guess, yeah, we, we had all the good news at the start of the guys we think will be better. Oh, yeah. But before we do that, the the train continues rolling in Dallas. I'll just go really quickly and mention Miro Haskinen at 87% roster, which I, I don't get. I feel like this is just from like having a lot of uh, buzz coming from his playoff performance last season. A lot of people drafted him and just assumed he's a set and forget guy, but Haskinen is not a set and forget guy in most formats. He has just a 41 point pace this season. Uh, he had that like he, unlike Jamie Ben, was one of those overperformers on the power play to start the year. And that's the only reason Haskinen's even at this 41 point pace. And uh, as we mentioned on the show, maybe a month ago now, that power play performance has dried up for Haskinen. He's done little to nothing there over the last little while. He's like, okay shots for a defenseman, but no other peripherals. So Elon, can you help Explain to me why Haskinen, with few peripherals, not great power play deployment, and a 41-point pace, is rostered in 87% of Yahoo leagues. Um, that's a good question. 
maybe some of them are keeper leagues. I think he's going to be like really good one day. But yeah, for one year leagues or like, you know, keeper leagues where you could only keep like four or five, I don't really see a reason to hold on. Like he did have seven. Like I like the shots actually. Lot, they had a seven shot game recently, uh, lots of three and four shot games. So he's giving me like if I saw him in my free agency in, a lot, in any of my leagues, I think I would grab him just because I love these shot numbers. And he is on the top power play. So he's like got all the, you know, he's got look to me, he kind of looks like a Nick Ritchie at this point. Like I think I'd have the same call, except like they're obviously rostered very differently. But it's like, even though he's been cold, I see lots of reasons to expect him to do better. But that still doesn't explain him being like 88%. Like you said, I would have expected him to have fallen to like 50 or 40% at this point, And then I'd be able to call him as someone I expect to do better at this point. Yeah, he's like, uh, the expectation of him being better is already like baked into his percent rostered, which is kind of weird, because you'd think at this point, people will be cutting bait. So I think if he continues to be cold, that'll start falling soon. So I definitely agree with that pick. That's a good point that he has picked up his shots lately. Yeah, that seven shot game was today. And that brings him to 37 shots over his last nine games, which is fantastic for a defenseman. uh, But like not what he's been doing all season. So we'll we'll see if that continues. Now let's see if he can uh, shoot better and get it to go like behind the goalie. Well, his shooting percentage is actually, I'm just looking it up. It's actually, uh, yeah, it's fine this season. So I don't even know if more shots is going to help him a whole lot, except, you know, continuing to score on five out of every hundred shots he takes and helping fill that category for people who do roster Haskinen. Okay, yeah. So my next guy, another young player I've got for you, and that's Jack Hughes. Uh, He's already been falling quite a bit. I think he should... I expect him to continue falling, right? So another pointless game today that makes him pointless in nine of his last 10 games. He had one one goal and one assist game versus Pittsburgh like three weeks ago. But aside from that, it's just nothing game in and game out. Like, yeah, he's playing with Paul Mary, who you said you expect to go up. So I guess if Paul Mary starts doing a little better, that might be good for Jack Hughes. But I don't see why I'd be holding on to him in a one-year league uh, at this point, right? Like, I think that maybe next year. Yeah, New Jersey does not seem like a great place to put up numbers, even if you're Jack Hughes, who has taken a step forward this year, but uh, was added, I think, to a lot of teams who have probably since gone inactive because he was really hot at the start. And then any team that that invested largely in him has been sorely disappointed by what Jack Hughes has had to offer since then. So I agree that he does not need to be rostered in most uh, many, many formats, especially if Kyle Palmieri isn't then why have jack hughes yeah uh, okay i think my list is pretty much exhausted i'm going to just throw out one more name uh you're just gonna like i don't know if this is this just picking a fight i have a bunch of goalies okay and i'll actually save this name for last so i have freddie anderson at 92 percent that could maybe should drop uh Semyon varlamov at 92 percent just because uh we've seen sorokin start to get some more starts lately i'm just looking at the pattern of starts between them and uh going back to like for about a month it's been pretty much trading starts so 92 percent rostered for a timeshare goalie who uh varlamov like he's been good all season, but his last couple starts have been a little not good. So this I sounds exactly like what you said about Mark Andre Fleury. To Fleury. <laughs> it's very similar to Flurry. Okay, and then another goalie, Kapukakinen, who everybody thought like was in uh, had earned the number one job, and then Cam Talbot's like, actually, I'm still gonna get games and gonna do really well in them. Kakinen is seventy percent rostered. I wonder if that should drop. James Reimer at fifty four percent rostered. I've singled him out of the three goalies in Carolina. Because, uh, like, at some point, Mrazek is healthy, and they can't, they're not going to waive Nadelkovich. They did that last year or earlier this season and got away with it. It's not going to happen again. 
So they're going to have to keep three goalies, and I think Reimer is going to be the odd one out. That's my bold prediction. Well, uh, who- right. Let me update your bold prediction uh, because there's been news. Well, no, it's just like there's been news this week, right, that the Carolina management said that they're looking to trade a goalie. And I think everyone's assuming what they mean is they're planning to trade Reimer, which means oh, okay. I'll bet you his percent rosterage will shoot up because people always shoot up when they get traded. But also I'd expect him to be like a backup or like, you know, one be at best wherever he lands. So right. I definitely agree with you that you don't need to hold on to Reimer at this point. And then the name that I hinted at at the start that's probably just going to start an argument, which I hope it won't, is Mike, have an argument. Mike Smith at well, 70% how high is he? rostered. 70% rostered, and the wheels are starting to fall off. Uh, like, I see this on a very small sample. Like, he's been uh, better for longer than he has been bad. And Koskinen has not proven himself to be a reliable other option. But Smith is down to an 893 save percentage in his last four starts. Uh, three of those have been 9 or 9 or below. Uh, he's had one 935 gem in there against Winnipeg. The rest have been unimpressive to really bad. So I wonder if, uh, if it's time for Mike Smith to finally take a breath and time for Koskinen to start getting a few more starts. I mean, I guess we'll see. Like, uh, don't forget that Mike Smith didn't play like all week. Edmonton had that whole week off last week because the Montreal players were on the COVID protocol. And yeah, he was actually looking good in this game against Toronto until like the third period when all of a sudden the Leafs like stormed back and like the Leafs are a tough team. And like now Edmonton plays Toronto tomorrow. And I'm curious if it's going to be Smith or Koskinen in the net. I think 70% seems about right to me. He still seems like the starter on Edmonton. I don't think this like bad game against Toronto is going to change too much. Like bad period, I should say, against Toronto. So I don't know. Like if if he was at 90, then I would definitely say it should go down. But I'm not sure how much further than 70% Mike Smith is going to drop unless he like really falls off, which I know you'll be so happy to see happen and expect it to happen. I don't know how far he's going to fall off. It's still a good team. Like, it's still a good team that you'd expect to get a win from whenever you get the start just because of their great forwards. In the Latin four, I'm just rhyming off, I think the last five starts that Koskinen has had, one of them was bad. It was against Toronto. Uh, stopped 7 of 10, but the others, 960, this is for Koskinen, 960, 929, 929, 977, 952. So he's put up some really, really strong numbers, and I, like I think the reason is already there to look to him if things aren't going well for Mike Smith. But I, you know, this is just a drum that I beat, and uh, I apologize to anybody who's like, you've said this enough on the podcast over the last like 14 <laughs> years, Brian, move on. Yeah, well, also, like, with Koskinen, maybe he's putting up good numbers because maybe he's better, like, not playing so much. For sure. So, yeah, it's hard to say. Okay, I'll end then my list with, I'll just kind of say, like, every Calgary flame. I mentioned, (laughs) I hinted that before. I'm very concerned about Sutter now being the coach and how that's going to affect these guys. Uh, so already, like, so they scored four goals uh, on Saturday versus Cal- uh, versus Winnipeg. So that was good. Before that, they only had four goals in their previous four games. Uh, like, I don't know, just like a lot of these players just aren't doing as well as we expect. Like, Elias Lindholm is probably the best on the team right now. He's leading the team in points with 30 points in 36 games. That's a 68-point pace. So maybe his, like, 95% roster will hold. That's actually pretty high for, like, someone who I'd be, I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't have expected him to be that high, but I guess he's earned it so far. Matthew Kachuk's having a down year. Like, 26 points in 36 games. That's like a 59-point pace. Only like one goal and no assist in his last five games. Lots of one-shot and goal games recently. This is a 98% rostered guy. That's basically, you know, like most people, 98% or higher, like this for sure things. And Matthew Kachuk has not been such a sure thing. Well, no, his ice time is just plummeting under Daryl Sutter. Yeah. 
so there you go and like i can keep naming people like johnny gaudreau like sutter like <laughs> insulted him <laughs> before the last game like uh, did you see that yeah yeah he was asked uh what is what he's looking for in gaudreau's 500th game and i didn't he say something like i hope it's better than his 499th yeah <laughs> i hope he has more energy than in his 499th game. like okay harsh oh, gosh. uh sean monahan is having a down year he's still 65 percent rostered maybe that'll hold like 65 is already like dropped pretty far so and he's yeah. on a 53 point pace so i feel like he's someone who i expect to say the same just because it's already fallen so far but like goudreau and kachuk at like 95 plus are guys also by the way uh mark giordano's at 74 percent, and yeah he's back on the top power play and he scored a power play goal yesterday but aside from that he's you know been pretty quiet most of the year noah hannafin on the other side had a run on the top power play he's been off it now but he's only at five percent so you know when i'm just looking at these numbers deciding how they're going to end at the end of the year i could see giordano going down a bit hannafin going up a bit not saying that giordano is droppable in a lot of leagues but yeah just yeah. overall calgary just doesn't seem like a team that's going to score a lot of goals moving forward doesn't seem like that's the style sutter wants to play for sure i'll step in to defend giordano which i've been doing all of course because um, he's over 35 and he's not named mike smith so <laughs> <laughs> well no his peripherals have also come back uh like they were like he wasn't doing much of anything to start the season and now his blocks are back up he's back getting top power play building his shots are back well back quote unquote like they still they look good he's been shooting more which is why he's got three goals in his last six games um interestingly he's without he has four goals but zero assists in his last 12 games so i guess that's just goes to show how little anyone else is scoring yeah. for the flames right now uh it's a really like calgary Cal- i'm over the flames this is my like two years ago i drafted monahan and gaudreau really high got burnt so hard and i think giordano too and then last year i'm like i'm not going to make that mistake again still ended up with at least two of them this year again i ended up with monahan and giordano again somehow uh i drafted giordano monahan i ended up getting via trade and i hate them i hate having calgary flames on my roster Uh, i am so so over it calgary is a team that is really rising on my do not draft from list Okay, yeah. And by the way, the obvious one here is Rasmus Anderson, 27% rostered. That's like all must be inactive managers. He's pointless in five. Actually, if you're a commish right now, look in your league, see who the Rasmus Anderson manager (laughs) is, and then replace that manager because they're clearly not paying attention. And they're probably, you could probably find a more active manager to take over someone who knows not to hold Rasmus Anderson still at this point. Okay, so Brian, I guess that's it for my list. Is that it for your list? We ready to take everyone home? Yeah, that's it. I'm just looking through the chat. Thanks to uh, everybody who comes live, keepingcarlson.com slash live. Everyone, everyone's welcome. Uh, you can come check it out. So we just get some questions in the chat through the episode, and I haven't looked a lot. So I'm just taking a peek now. Shams, heart and soul, by the way, of our patron community, Shams is here and said, what's the word on Stalock? So the word on Stalock is four days ago, his mask arrived in Edmonton. Mm. And the Oilers Twitter account said it was amazing. It includes a cat playing a saxophone, which is pretty amazing. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard anything else about Stalock there. So that's, that's, that's a good point about the Smith Koskinen discussion. And earlier, Shams also pointed out Klingberg at 88% rostered and what our thoughts are. Uh, Elon, I'll give my quick thoughts while you formulate yours. I think that's reasonable. I think Klingberg... Uh, like has been like he's also been shooting a bunch. He has he's shot he has five shots on goal four times in his last seven games. So that's really nice. And he has a bunch of points pretty consistently all season long. So uh, right now he's got twenty two points in thirty one games for a fifty eight point pace. Uh, to me, that's a uh, very much 
worth being 88% rostered. Yeah, I guess so. A rare Dallas player that Brian is somewhat into. (laughs) So there you go. Okay, so thanks so much, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this show. Uh, We uh, would love to hear your thoughts on either if you agree or disagree with any of our picks. And also, if you have any players that you think should be higher percent rostered or lower percent rostered or will be moving forward for the rest of the season. If you like the show, let us know. We'd love to hear from you uh, at Keeping Carlson over on Twitter. Brian mentioned we've got our fun Discord community going. Uh, If you're not a patron of Keeping Carlson, maybe come hang out for the last month of the season. We could give you some advice going into your fantasy playoffs. So KeepingCarlson.com slash patron for the people who are patrons of the podcast thank you so much and to the people who are participating in the couple we've got two weeks to go before the fantasy playoffs start so you have two weeks to either get into the playoffs or miss out and maybe you could still get into the consolation playoffs if you're in the couple and you know you feel like your team doesn't have much of a chance this year we'd still appreciate you play it out right there's uh, that's to anyone in any fantasy league if you're listening to this maybe you're in like some leagues where you're doing well and some leagues where it's not going well like be you know be a mensch be someone who is you know a good citizen in their league and still uh, set your rosters and make sure that like other people don't get a free ride by getting a matchup against an inactive manager so right just to like because if you go easier on your opponent in week 10 than you did on your opponent in week one not only does that make things easier for your opponent to win in week 10 but if your opponent week 10 winning affects other people's matchups and fortunes then uh, that really sucks so yeah you don't want you don't want uh, the time of year that you play someone to really have a huge impact i guess there's already injuries but in terms of managing your fantasy team like elon said be a mensch so that's our PSA, and we've already reached out to a bunch of couple managers. Not a bunch. Like, most people are active. We reach out to the ones who aren't, and we're going to try our best to, like, make it super tight for the last two weeks. So good luck, everyone, in the couple. Good luck to everyone in all of your leagues. And we'll be with you right to the bitter end to try to give you advice on people to add and drop to maximize your chances of taking home those championships. All right, so, Brian, with all of that, let's let everyone go home. Let's cue the outro music. And why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons. Logo art by BrandonWeeb.com and outro music by the famous Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospects, Natural Statric, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, and NBC Fantasy, Edge, and Yahoo! I think it's NBC Sports Edge as the Rotowire equivalent. I don't think it's called NBC Fantasy Edge. Okay, I will make sure to get it right next time. One day we'll figure this out. I still think they should have stuck with Roto World. I think it's a good name. But anyway, okay, great job as always, Brian. This was a ton of fun. Looking forward to doing this all again next week. In the meantime, of course, we'll have a couple of short shifts episodes from Ben and Lewis. Oh, we should also mention that the couple stat attack is on hiatus for a little bit. So don't look for the couple stat attack, but definitely check out Dave Benton's stream scheme, which comes out every Sunday. Yeah, Dave went 7 for 10 last week on his streamers. He's 7 and 2 on the year, which is much better than his Kakupful Tier 1 record, but at least he's shining somewhere. So go ahead and harvest the fruits of Dave's streaming scheming labor. On the plus side, Dave uh, beat Jeff Good. This is like now getting to, like, people are like, okay, you can turn off the podcast if you want, but I'm just going to say some little tier one gossip here. Uh, me, Ben, and Lewis are all fighting for playoff spots, and so is this guy, Jeff Good, who's been on the show a long time ago for auction draft expertise. And uh, we really needed Dave to beat Jeff in order to help us all have a chance of getting in. So we were like cheering for Dave all week, and it looks like Dave won. So I guess his streaming skills maybe not won't help him get into the playoffs this year, but have helped him knock out a giant in Jeff who destroyed 
destroyed me last week. But okay, enough of that. Is, it, is outro music playing still? Okay, I, I'm i retroactively telling myself to turn that off. So when you heard that turn off, that's why. Now I'm cueing it just to say, uh, Brian, this was fun. And uh, look forward to doing this all again next week. Yeah, for sure. And everyone is welcome because fantasy hockey is for everyone. 